Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for listening today. It's always a pleasure. Uh, my next guest uh, joining me today is Heath Goldman. Uh, and uh, Heath's been with us before. He's with Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners. Great guy, president and CEO of that firm located in Sherman Oaks. Heath acts as a financial architect for business owner and real estate families. He focuses on major areas of the client's financial life so they can focus on their money-making activities. How does that sound? Uh, What will your legacy look like 25 years from now is what we're going to talk about today. Hard to to think about that, Heath, but let's talk about 25 years from now. Let's talk about right now. How are you doing? (laughs) Bill, I'm struggling like a lot of people I can imagine, but uh, life is good. I'm healthy and uh, the family's good. So uh, thanks for asking and uh, I hope the same for you. Well, yeah, as as we know, the big numbers out there are all about – keeping healthy and uh, staying safe. And uh, it's a concerning time for a lot of people and a tragic time for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So I count, I count us as, uh, as continued blessed and lucky. Um, Heath, tell us about uh, Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners. Uh, you, I, I love what you had me say there about being a financial architect. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of amazing financial advisors out there, you know, CPAs, business attorneys, uh, insurance agents. But I think one of the things that clients struggle with is finding the time and having their own expertise to be able to understand exactly what all of their team is doing on their behalf. So, you know, the whole architect story came about is that I really am hired on a fee basis to come in and work with families and to design a plan that I will then oversee the implementation of with their current team of advisors so that clients can focus on their money-making activities and their family. Because let's be honest, Bill, I think you and I both know, if a client's not concerned about their family, they're not going to be concerned about the planning that has to be done as well. Yeah, beautifully put. And I think it it conjures up a really great image for those listening, maybe, because a lot of our listeners may have built a house at one point. And, you know, you didn't generally you you interact very heavily with the architect because you want this over here and that over there and you want the house to look a certain structure and then the architect is going to then talk to the different contractors uh and and tell them you know how and when to build their parts of the product or the plan and in financial strategies it can get very complicated between tax advisors and legal advisors and you know investment advisors insurance advisors etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh when when you start talking with someone about this um do they generally ha- do they generally have an idea what they want to do or do they even need help in like in a design phase 
you might say, well, what are my options? You know, it's a good question. There are families that have an understanding of what they think they want uh, until you start asking questions. You know, let's just take the traditional family, you know, first marriage, you know, son and daughter. Both of them are working in the company, and if you ask mom who she thinks is going to take over the company, she tells you the son. If you ask dad who he wants to take over the company or thinks should take over the company, he'll say the daughter. And I, my next question is, have you had a conversation independently with each of your children asking them if they even want the company? You know, they may love being here with you and mom every day and running the successful company, but doing it on their own may not be in the cards. And having that understanding ahead of time is paramount to being able to create the, you know, the ideal plan. So, you know, questions just become questions and more questions. And then client looks at me oftentimes, to your point, wow, this didn't end up being any way close to what I thought was originally was going to intend it. But I'm glad we had the conversations, and I'm glad we're working towards an endpoint. You know, there's an old saying, you know, my clients don't, didn't plan to fail. Oftentimes, they failed to plan before they came to me. And that failure to plan could be probate, it could be tax dollars, estate planning. I mean, you know, there could be all kinds of, of uh, litigation that could uh, rise out of a, of a wealthy family's um, ability, uh, and, and excuse me, not ability, but, you know, not having the ability to create that ideal plan. Now, Heath, in my experience, uh, I learned long ago to uh, make sure clients knew that if they did not plan, that there was still a plan in place, and it's usually the government's plan uh, or the court's plan, uh, and it's it's usually uh, pretty pretty vanilla, but but often doesn't. Uh, cause uh, family harmony, let's say. For instance, uh, if an owner says, well, if I die, I want, I want all my kids to inherit the business, even though only one works in the business. Can you talk about some of the, the pain that that can cause down the, down the road if they don't get that right? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you kind of a quick story. Uh, I was brought into a, uh, to a family situation. First marriage, son and daughter. Son was the, was the heir apparent. Dad was in poor health at the time. And I sat with mom and dad and, and, and the gentleman who brought me in, the heir apparent to the company, and I said, you know, do me a favor and tell me what your current estate plan says. We love our kids equally. We're going to split the business, you know, we're going to split our assets between our two kids. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, Jason's sitting right here. He's the heir apparent to the company. Sarah is uh, a teacher and a mother. She has nothing to do with the company. I said, so if God forbid something happens to the two of you, the business is going to be owned 50-50 by your two children. That's what we would like. So I looked at, J- at Jason, and I said, how do you think that makes you feel? He goes, I can't have somebody else having 50% control of the company that I'm running, especially when they have nothing to do with the company. So I said, well, let's just take this one step further. Why don't we assume for the moment that the business is worth the same that the building? It was a single kind of building that the family also owned. Let's assume they're the same price for today. Why don't we leave the building to Sarah and leave the business to, to Jason? They said, oh, that's a great idea. I said, it's not a good idea. They said, why did you suggest it? I said, I'm just here to create some dialogue so we can get an understanding of what might make some sense if we decided to work together. I said, when the market rent is going to come due and Sarah goes to her brother and says, hey, Jason, I said, you know, we need to renegotiate our lease. Prices have increased, everything else. That could have a tremendous bearing on the ability of the company to continue to earn a profit and take care of itself. And so those are the types of conversations that we're trying to engage with clients to try to get them to think, what is the ideal plan? 
And the ideal plan is not the same for Bill, and it's not the same for Heath, or it's not the same for, for this family. But trying to work towards that and still run a successful company and still take care of our family is difficult, and that's the work that we do, Bill. Yeah, that's very well put. Now, um, let's talk about you know what a lot of this is about. Is uh, and what I tell people, I'm sure you tell them too, is someday you'll be remembered, and you're going to be remembered for your planning or your lack of planning and and the results thereof. Now, uh, that's called creating a legacy. Why do you think legacy planning is so important these days? So many of our successful clients, and that's a great question, so many of our successful clients have an ego. That doesn't mean it's a bad ego. It doesn't mean it's an offensive ego, but they have an ego. And it is about how, do I, how am I going to be remembered? And if you sell that business during your life and that CEO hat is now retired, what does my legacy look like? How am I going to be remembered? When they stand up and give me that eulogy at my funeral, what are they going to say about me? And a lot of people don't think about this. Now, one of the things that you and I had talked about in prep for this was the whole concept of Kobe Bryant arguably the world's greatest basketball player. Yes, Michael Jordan. Yes, Kareem. Yes, it doesn't matter to me for today's conversation. But the question I pose when I speak about this in legacy is, what is Kobe's legacy going to be? And there's always a few people in the room who do remember what happened in Colorado of what he was accused of. They do mm-hmm. remember you know, his antics on the court sometimes. And all of this comes together to create a legacy. And the question sometimes is, is it a complicated legacy? I happen to believe it's a complicated legacy because I don't think you can talk about Kobe and his body of work as a whole person without talking about what happened in Colorado. You know, the Nesta took him back. They made amends. But this is an issue that has profound effect on some people's remembrance of what Kobe's legacy is. Michael Vick, another example. Michael Vick has poured his heart and soul and money into animal causes for what he did with the dog fighting. People may never forget what Michael Vick did, but hopefully they will remember what he has strived to do in his second act of life, which is to remedy and rectify that situation that he put himself into. And I think that when you have a business owner who has now sold the business, or has succeeded the business to family members, what is that legacy going to be? Is it complicated? Can you continue to develop your legacy? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Because everything you do on a daily basis can improve or detract from your legacy. And I ask my clients, what is it that you're doing to create a legacy where your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren will be you know, Bill was the greatest dad, grandfather, great-grandfather you could ever imagine. He was fair to people. He had a great company. His employees loved him. His customers loved him. People loved him. That's how I want my clients to be remembered, and that's how I personally want to be remembered. So I strive every day to try to get my clients to think about these issues because at the end of the day, it's a memory, okay? That is what a legacy is. It's a memory of that person, and I want it to be the best one possible. That's really well put. And so for a lot of people, they're thinking, you know, it's, it sounds like – now, in some cases, you can, do, you can do a good thing all of your life, and then you do one bad thing, and then you're remembered for that. Now, in some cases, that's, you know, that's not just one bad thing. That was repeated behavior. You're just 
That's just the way you were. But in this case, we're talking about a decision or a lack of decision that could cause a family business to be um, lost down the road or a family asset like a, a getaway mountain cabin where there's been retreats, family retreats, for instance, to be lost to taxes or because of bad decisions. So there's a lot on the line for a lot of people. But in what are some of the biggest um, things that make an impact when you're talking with uh, clients? What are the what would you say? Let's say the top three things that they might think about as far as a structure or a, a, a planning uh, idea for the future. Thanks for the question, Bill. I think the the first one, and I'm not sure I can come up with three that quickly, but I think the first one that's important is making a decision to actually put together a plan. And I tell a story very quickly uh, that uh, this is how a plan looks to me. When I was a kid, I used to do a lot of puzzles. And it was inevitable that they would get to the end of that puzzle and there was a piece or two missing. My dog ate it. It slipped between the couch. Mom vacuumed it up in the, you know, in the, in the vacuum cleaner. Whatever right. it was, that puzzle was incomplete. And depending on what piece that puzzle was, it was the same thing that I talk about with financial planning. A lot of clients, wealthy clients, they have their advisors, right? They have a CPA. They have a business attorney. They have an insurance agent. They have an investment advisor. But what they don't have is the communication, collaboration, coordination between all of those advisors because they're busy running a company or managing their family units. And so when I talk to clients, I say, hey, you need somebody who can design the plan and oversee this plan and allow your advisors to do what they do best so that you can go focus on doing what you do best. And so that's typically how this whole plan has to come together. It has to be everybody in communication. And if everybody is not capable of communicating, then somebody has to drive the communication. And that's the architect and the general contractor and the analogy that we use at, at ICON. Trying to get people to think about what could change. And knowing that tomorrow is going to bring changes, are we prepared? So the plans that I like to create with my clients, and I'm sure you're no different, Bill, is a, a plan that works today, it better work today, hopefully works tomorrow, but is nimble enough that can be changed in the future as the family dynamics and the family's goals and objectives change. And you must continue to change your plan or you're going to get to the point that you and I talked about earlier, which is the, the courts are going to impose a plan, the country, the state's going to impose a plan, the federal government's going to impose their plan on you. So you better be prepared uh, or it can be that your company will lose it's protection that a plan can create for it. Yeah, back to the uh, the house analogy for the architect. Can you imagine if they they finish the job and then you realize that they forgot to put in the guest bathroom downstairs? Now everybody's got to go use your master bathroom, your master bathroom and your bedroom. Uh, not a good job. And and again, it starts with uh, experience and knowledge and having. Uh, really a, a, all the choices laid out so that you can make those choices. And, Heath, I think that's where you shine. Now, you're also very involved and uh, a member, and uh, uh, I believe do you, do you lead a group for Provisors as well? I see you all the time on Provisors. So. I am a, a Provisors junkie. I'm also a group leader. I lead uh, just to, to exactly what we do for clients. I lead the estate and succession planning group in the uh, San Fernando Valley. So I, I walk the walk and I talk the talk almost every single day when it comes to, to this work for, uh, for my clients. 
forgive me for not knowing that off the top of my head. The Provisors, as many of you know, is a well-networked group of professionals. and That makes Heath a very, very strong advocate and a person of experience and knowledge that can refer you to professionals that you're going to uh, uh, mainly need to fill out your plan. So a lot of times people will come in and say, you know, I haven't uh, – seen an attorney in quite a while. I haven't seen a, uh, I'm not sure my tax advisor is up to the, they do my taxes. I'm not sure they're good planners. Uh, I need referrals to other people. And Heath is very, very knowledgeable and experienced and can point you in the right direction when you're building out your team, which is a big part of this planning, right? It's not just the, the architect. Can you imagine if the architect shows up the next day with a, a bucket and a hammer and says, okay, now I'm ready to build your plan. It wouldn't be a very good house. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and that's the one thing. I do not come on to a team and replace individuals. I need the CPA. We need the business attorney. We need the estate planning attorney. I do not manage assets. We need the investment advisor. So this is all about a team concept, and once again, creating the perfect plan doesn't mean that it's going to work perfectly without the modifications necessary. You know, you start to look at the home, and you're like, well, I think I would have liked the, the book cabinet over there. Let's see if we can, you know, there are going to be things that get tweaked along the way. But the, the point is, is that clients must remember the plan they created 10 years ago, even though it was a perfect plan and it made perfect sense at the time, may not be the perfect plan today because the company has doubled in size, we've added family members, so on and so forth. So clients must continue to look at their plans and understand um, or ask for help from their advisors when changes should be made to the plan. Heath, always great to have you on the show. It's Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? There's a contact page off of our website, Icon wlp.com feel free to reach out to me phone number is 818-981-7184 and anybody that uh, is a friend of Bill's is a friend of mine happy to give you a few minutes of my time and uh, and give you some direction even if it's just a, a simple question really enjoyed hearing from you again Heath, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, and a lot of great wisdom today. So I hope our listeners will take advantage of that and get in touch with you. And I look forward to the next time we speak. Bill, thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day. Stay healthy. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 